This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. Welcome. You're listening to episode 20, the last episode of this season. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, this episode, I sure have a lot to talk about. It's funny because some episodes I struggle to find things to say because I've just been working on the same project or not much has happened, but since the last episode, a lot has happened in my knitting life. I've done tons of knitting, as usual, but I also had the awesome privilege of attending a knitting convention and taking some really cool classes. I went up to the Knit and Crochet Show in Portland, Oregon, and since I haven't been to Portland since I was 12 on a family vacation, it was really fun to go by myself and get to visit the city a little bit. And it was so cool. I love Portland. I was so shocked by the huge knitting community there. There's something like 10 yarn stores, or maybe more. It's crazy. I was able to visit a couple, well, five of them, Um, but more about that later. First, let me tell you about my trip. I traveled by myself, by plane. And I never travel, so this was quite a unique experience for me, and I just wasn't sure what to expect. I knew that there was going to be a lot of sitting around time, so I carefully planned out my knitting projects. That's one of the first things I do when I know I'm going to go on a trip. So before I went on my trip, I packed up my white knit chicken, my something red sweater, and the featherweight cardigan I just started a few weeks ago and I had them all packed nice and neat in their own little individual project bags. The Knit Chicken and the Featherweight Cardigan, since they were pretty small, fit into these really nice little bags that I got at Michael's about a year ago. One is, has a zipper and one has a drawstring and they're kind of a hard see-through plastic. It's stiff plastic, but it's still flexible. Anyway, but they're very handy, so those fit really nicely in those containers, but my something red sweater was a little bit too big, so that had to go in a Ziploc bag. But anyways, I had my three little projects, but on the way up to Portland, I told myself I was only allowed to knit the chicken project because I really wanted to get it done, and I didn't want to be distracted by the projects that I was more excited about while I was there. So on the way there, I just knit the chicken. So although I nearly died of boredom, this chicken really turned out to be a great traveling project. I was just working on the body part at that time, on circular needles, so it was just around and around and around. So not a lot of thinking. I didn't have to take out a pattern, and I didn't have to keep track of anything. I could just quickly pull it out of my little project bag knit a few stitches or a few rounds and stuff it back in and not have to worry about it. I ended up finishing it during my layover in San Francisco while I was waiting for my flight to Portland. 
and I was so glad to be rid of the thing. It was good that I got it done and gave myself that deadline, but looking back, I really should have kept it around a little bit longer and saved it for those times in my trip when I needed just a small, quick, little knitted thing to take with me. But I didn't. So then I moved on to my sweater. When it first emerged from the bag, it was still rather small and unobtrusive, but as the trip wore on, it became surprisingly unwieldy and large. I got so much knitting done while in Portland that I almost was able to finish the entire thing. So that was good. And as for the featherweight cardigan, it never made it out of its bag. I took it with me as a just in case I get so sick of knitting with cotton I might die precaution, but I never got there. I really just got into a rhythm knitting my something red sweater. I really enjoyed it. But truthfully, it did not make the best traveling companion. It became big quickly and rapidly outgrew its project bag. Then there was the business of knitting the sleeves in the round on double-pointed needles. Have you ever tried to rapidly fold and stuff a huge sweater with DPN sticking out of it into a wholly gallon-sized Ziploc bag? It isn't pretty, trust me. And yes, I felt dumb carrying around this overstuffed Ziploc bag with needles poking out of the bottom around the airport. Yeah, not the best idea I've ever had. I really should have not finished that chicken so fast. Or maybe I should have just started a pair of socks or something. That would have been a lot more manageable. Like I said, I don't ever travel. I just don't know these things. Another thing I didn't think about was my carry-on bag. I insisted on keeping this large flowered duffel bag with me. I guess I felt like I didn't want to check it because I might need something out of it while I was in the airport or when I was on the flight. I failed to realize that when you're actually on the plane and your carry-on is in the overhead bin behind three other suitcases, it's not exactly going to be convenient to get anything out of it. Oh, and how could I forget how fun it was lugging this thing around the airport? It weighed a ton, and it was a duffel bag, not a rolling suitcase or anything. And then, when I had to use the restroom and venture into the yucky public airport bathroom stall, in came my carry-on duffel bag and the huge purse I was carrying. Oh yes, and the wholly overstuffed Ziploc sweater bag with the DPNs poking out. What a sight I must have been. Oh yeah, and my long winter coat that I brought with me to Portland. That was very useful there because it was kind of drizzly sometimes. Well, it wouldn't fit in my suitcase for the trip home, so I was forced to wear it. Not a big deal until I got to San Francisco, and I was just super overheated in the airport. So you know what that means. Me, the duffel bag, the big purse, 
the really, really stuffed Ziploc bag, and the winter coat, navigating around the airport. Oh, it was fun. So fun. My Ziploc bag at that point was so full, I think that sweater sleeves were hanging out of it. Okay, so let's get on to the fun part of the trip, the classes. I was able to take four classes while I was there. The first one I took was Creative Knitted Lace with Myra Wood. I was really interested in taking this class because it was all about understanding lace stitches and designing your own patterns. She walked us through several lace knitting techniques to show us how it changes the look of our work. We never followed a pattern in this class, we were just experimenting, which was really fun. Myra had us start off with this crochet provisional cast on, which is essentially just crocheting around the knitting needle. She really recommended this cast on because if you worked it with scrap yarn, you could then unzip your cast on stitches later and have live stitches to work with. And she also says that she uses this method all the time, even when she isn't planning on unzipping it later because of the nice, neat crocheted chain edge. She also taught us a crochet bind off, which is a really nice loose bind off where you use your crochet hook and actually chain one stitch in between each bound off stitch. This ensures that you never bind off too tightly and also this bind off looks nice and finished just like the cast on. Myra stressed the importance of loose bind offs and cast on rows in lace knitting. If one is done too tightly it can completely distort your lace fabric. As we know lace really grows with blocking so you want your edges to be very flexible and loose. She even shared with us that she always blocks her lace shawls before binding off. She just puts those live stitches on a scrap piece of yarn for the blocking process. That way she can ensure that her bind off row will match her finished piece as far as tension. I was also able to pick up a few other little facts and tips while in that class. For instance, I learned the difference between knitted lace and lace knitting. I didn't know that there even was such a thing. But apparently, knitted lace is where the pattern calls for you to always purl on a wrong side row, and in lace knitting, you work a lace pattern on the right and wrong side. Lace knitting is supposed to be more open and airy, and to me, it sounds like not as much fun. I rather like purling back on the wrong side rows. It's a nice little break, in my opinion. She also taught a little technique that results in large round holes in your lace work. You can create that look by knitting into the yarn over of a previous row, pulling up a loop, putting it on your left hand needle, and then working a decrease. She showed us some applications of this technique and it looked really, really pretty. So I would say that this was a really good class. It got me all into the idea of knitting a nice shawl for myself, and perhaps even trying to design my own lace pattern. The samples that she brought were all really pretty, and she designed them all herself. It was very inspiring. The next class I took was a designer workshop, all about how to be a knitwear designer. I took this class for obvious reasons, 
because I'm really interested in doing this for a living. And the class offered lots of good information, but I'm really not going to get into any of it because it's the business end of things and it's not all that interesting to talk about. So the next class I'd like to share with you is one that I took called Fully Fashioned and Fabulous, which admittedly was my favorite class there. It was taught by the designer Melissa Liebman, who is awfully inspiring. She works as a freelance knitwear designer in New York, and she says that she turns out something like 20 to 30 designs a month. I am completely in awe. This whole class was about how to incorporate shaping into the design of your sweater and how to work fully fashioned details within your garments to create flattering sweaters. I found it really interesting when she said that you can look through a catalog and see a knit crew neck pullover for $69 and then find an almost identical pullover in the same catalog for $100 more. She says the less expensive ones are made with a cut and sew technique where the garment designer just cuts out the pattern from a large bolt of knit fabric and the more expensive sweater is fully fashioned. It is knit into a sweater with increasing and decreasing to fit your body. Thus, it is worth a whole lot more. Her sharing this fact with us made me realize how neat it is that we have the ability to make our own garments and to make something that we can fit to our own body. And that is something that's really worth a lot. So I felt very proud knowing that I have this skill. And this concept of making your shaping work for the design was very interesting to me. She talked about how anytime we can add a vertical line to a garment, it is going to flatter and slim its wearer. One really easy way to do this is by working your increases and decreases a few stitches in from each edge of your garment. Then when you use the mattress stitch to seam it up on the sides, you have a nice vertical line or column of stitches on each side of your sweater. She also showed us how to form a fully fashioned v-neck neckline into your sweater that requires no finishing work, and I really like this idea. I can also think of two other great ideas she gave for creating flattering sweaters. So say you're making a larger sweater for a plus size person. I like how she recommended the garter rib stitch which is ribbing one row and then knitting the next row because it will give nice vertical lines throughout the sweater, but it won't draw in and cling to the body like normal ribbing. And I also love how she shared with us about faux shaping within a garment. She shared a great technique to create slanted lines, which would give an illusion of shape without actually changing the stitch count. So, I'm just super excited about all that I learned and I just cannot wait to try them out in my own design projects. So after that class, I took a design your own cables class. And this one was taught by Janet Zabo. She also taught the designer workshop. And I have to say, she is the queen of cables. She has written two cable books already and is working on another one 
and she even publishes her own cable pattern newsletter called Twists and Turns. She really knows her stuff. One thing that really stuck in my mind about this class is when we walked in the room, we were greeted by a table full of cable swatches and beautiful, intricate Aran sweaters. She has kept all of her swatches for the past 10 years and has them all organized on rings. It was truly an amazing sight. In front of us was pretty much any and every cable design that has ever existed. They really were stunning. The class she taught on cables was really interesting. She showed us how we can take an existing cable pattern from a stitch dictionary and change different features about it to make it our own. For instance, a few simple things you could do if you're interested in this is you could take a single cable and then repeat it across the width of the fabric to be an all-over cable pattern. Or you could find a cable that you love in a stitch dictionary and lengthen it or put it against a different background or work a different stitch inside the cable. The possibilities really are endless and I like how she showed us how to think outside the box and not be afraid to try new things with it. As knitters, we don't have to be stuck to a pattern if we understand the construction of the stitches. She also showed us how we can find inspiration for cable designs in different geometric designs and architecture and how we can kind of sketch out our own cables and use different crossovers to create different angles. I really loved this idea. I tried to come up with something fantastic to show the teacher, but it was at the end of the day and my brain was kind of fried, but I'd love to play around with this in the future. So that was it for the classes. I really enjoyed them. To tell you the truth, I've never taken knitting classes before, so this is my first time and it was worth it. I learned so much and it was so, so fun for me. So another great thing I got to do while in Portland was visit the local yarn shops with my friend Audrey. They did have a market there at the convention full of vendors, but I have to say going to the shops was more fun for me. I get kind of scattered and overwhelmed when I'm surrounded by too much yarn at one time. So while I was there, I got to visit five yarn stores and they were all different from each other and all super cool. I was mesmerized by the store called Knit Pearl because they had an entire wall of Koigu fingering weight merino, which I absolutely love. The colors are so gorgeous and vibrant, and to have an entire wall of it in front of you was just too much. And did I mention that it was also 15% off? And did I mention that there's no sales tax there? Yeah. Well, I only got two skeins. How good am I, right? I love this scarf that one of my favorite bloggers made using two skeins of Koigu, so I decided that I would just get two to make that. It's a chevron scarf where you alternate a solid skein with a variegated, and it's really pretty. So I cannot wait to start that. We also visited a store called Abundant Yarns, and I also had a lot of fun there. 
I got to meet a lot of really great knitters and also Larissa Brown, the author of the book Knit Along. So that was surprising and really cool. This is a unique yarn shop because not only do they have a deli inside, but they also have their own line of naturally dyed yarns available that they dye up right there in the shop. So that was really neat. And yet there was another shop that we went to that I really, really, really liked. And that one was called Twisted. This was a yarn shop that was smallish, but wonderfully organized with the awesomest selection. It seemed like the shop was made for me. They carried all of my favorite yarns and had a huge color selection in each yarn. That's what made it so inspiring. They had these little recess areas in the store, like three-sided little rooms with yarn cubbies from floor to ceiling. In each little area, only had maybe one or two yarns, and like every color came in. And it was arranged so nicely. All the reds and oranges would be together, and the blues and purples. It was not only so beautiful, but it was so neat and tidy. If that shop was close to me, I would love to shop there. I loved how it was so nice and easy to find things. I ended up getting out of there with only two balls of Sublime Angora Merino and Red because, well, that's my new favorite color, red. And I got it that to make the Rose Red Beret by Yusolda. I've loved that hat for forever now and I love this yarn, so I know it's going to be the perfect match. So the two other yarn shops I visited while in Portland were Dublin Bay and Yarn Garden. Dublin Bay was a beautiful yarn store, very well organized and well presented. They also had some really lovely yarns that are rare and hard to find, so that was really neat. And Yarn Garden was huge. It was like four yarn shops in one. It was crazy. It was a huge selection, but rather haphazard. When yarn isn't really, really organized, I get overwhelmed easily and pretty soon all I can see is just yarn blur everywhere. I have a tendency to just kind of shut down with too much selection. So it was so fun for me to visit all these places and to meet all of the great knitters. I really wish I lived closer. I just had the best time. So that pretty much sums up my Portland trip. So since I've gotten back, I must say I've gotten a good amount done in the knitting department. First I finished my Something Red sweater and it turned out pretty good. Like I said before, I shortened the raglan seam by two inches, which was good, but surprisingly, it is still too long. Wow, how bad would that have looked if I would have actually followed the pattern? I ended up stopping at eight and a half inches instead of ten and a half, but really, I could have stopped at eight. It's a little baggy around the armholes, but it isn't anything I can't live with. So. All in all, I like this sweater. It's a really basic style, and the cotton is so soft. It's something that I know I can wear with a lot of outfits, and I'm really happy about that. Then I moved on to finishing up that chicken. Since I knit the entire body of the chicken on the trip, the rest went really fast. I just had to stuff, sew, and knit the little embellishments. 
It was interesting with this project because I created polka dots on the chicken body using an embroidery technique I've never tried before, and it was really fun to do. And I love to learn new things, so that was good. And it's cute. Even though the polka dots are kind of puffy, making it look like the chicken could be suffering from a deadly plague or at least a painful skin disorder. My husband says that it looks like the chicken has chicken pox. <coughs> Poor chicken. So since this chicken was supposed to be a male, I decided to give him tail feathers. And I also made one extra tail feather in orange and put it on the top of his head to kind of make it look like it was part of his comb. And then that way it looks more prominent than the comb on the female chicken that I made. And it kind of makes him look more like a rooster in my opinion. So with his big comb and his polka dots, I just have to say he turned out pretty cute. You'll have to go check out the blog and see for yourself. So after I had the mom chicken and the dad chicken, I decided that they needed some babies. So instead of spending a bunch of time trying to downsize the pattern, I used a free baby chick pattern I found on Ravelry called Spring Chick. And I loved following this pattern. It was really easy and remarkably quick. I whipped out two chicken babies in no time flat in like an hour. It was awesome. I made them out of the yellow color of the dyed cotton, which was great because I had only used that color for chicken beaks, so I had tons left over. So it was nice to be able to use at least some of it up. I still have remnants left of all of the colors though, not to mention an entire skein of red from the Something Red sweater. I was able to make it out of only five skeins with some left over. So it looks like there will be a wildly striped cotton sweater in my daughter's future. Speaking of my daughter, she loves the Knit Chicken family, and that's so fun for me. I've realized how much I love making knitted toys. It's so very rewarding to see a little one play with something handmade. The other day I saw my daughter on a blanket with all of her hand knit toys surrounding her playing with all of them and it made me so happy. It's so cool to have the ability to make your child something that will be loved, played with, and appreciated. So the sweater and the chickens turned out pretty good. But unfortunately, that can't be said for my featherweight cardigan. Yeah, that. Last time, I mentioned that I had been sort of on the fence about whether I liked it or not, and I decided that I would just keep going. So keep going, I did. And well, it just got uglier with each passing row. I didn't want to give up on it. So I just kept knitting it, hoping that it would, I don't know, get prettier or something, but it didn't. Strangely, I just still kept my hopes up. I really wanted to find a good use for that yarn from my stash, so I was just hoping, hoping for a knitting miracle, or maybe that my tastes would change. I. I even took the thing outside to look at it in the natural light to see if that would somehow fix it. But no, it it was just gross. 
I don't know. I'm not good with variegated yarns. This project is a perfect example of how yarn can look so pretty on the skein and so bad knitted up. When I say bad, I mean somebody else might think it's pretty, but I just, I have a hard time with it. Variegated yarns are just not my friend. So then after realizing that it was still gross, despite all of my hopes and dreams for it, I then took it to my sister-in-law as a last resort to ask her opinion. I was hoping that she would say how beautiful it was so then I could just feel better about the thing and just keep knitting it. So when I asked her what she thought about it, she preceded her answer with, do you want me to be completely honest? I knew at that moment that it was over, so I just ripped it all out, balled up my yarn, and gave it away. The whole experience made me just kind of mad at that yarn. I just don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to try to find a project for it. I just want it out of my life. I'm really glad I ripped out this project. Let's face it, knitting an entire sweater out of lace weight yarn is just too much work if you're not going to completely love it. It's a really cute pattern, but the yarn just did not work. This experience taught me that I'm not going to push myself to use yarn in the future just for the sake of using it. I only want to create things that I'm really excited about. I don't want to settle. That being said, I would really like to make the Whisper cardigan or the Featherweight cardigan in the future, but I'm just going to pick out the perfect yarn for it first. So since I ripped out that project, that meant that I had absolutely nothing on the needles. So, so I decided to start a new design project. I know that this is shocking to all listening, but it's another children's design. This one's going to be a summer dress with a beautiful lace border in my new favorite color too, red. I'm just starting it now, so I probably won't have it done until July sometime. But I'll be sure to post pictures of my progress on Ravelry and on the blog. But so far, it's so good. I really like how it's turning out. And this project hopefully will be a keeper. Now I'd like to share the winner of last episode's drawing. Everyone who left comments under the show notes for episode 19 was entered to win a copy of Ethnic Knitting Exploration, the book I reviewed on episode 19. And this was a signed copy provided by the author herself. So I entered all the comments that everyone left into the random number generator online. And the winner of this awesome book is Victoria. Congratulations. So Victoria, when you hear this episode, please contact me so I can get this book mailed out to you right away. Thanks everyone for entering. So for this episode, I have a knitting story to share with you from Martha, or Earthy Mama 42 on Ravelry. And this story is going to be read by me, but this is her story of the Black Vest Quest. My husband 
has only ever asked for one knitted item, a vest. He doesn't wear scarves or sweaters, and his feet are way too big for me to ever consider making him socks. I mean, my feet are almost too big for me to consider making socks. When I inquired if there was something I could make for him, he told me he wanted a vest. He was working in a place where the dress code was a white collared button down shirt and black pants. However, he would be able to wear a vest to work, but it needed to be black. So I began the quest for the perfect man's vest pattern. I had no intention of doing boring miles and miles of stockinette, and I wanted it to be a little bit fun. So I searched for something with a cable in the front and a v-neck to go with his button-down shirt. Never mind the fact that I hadn't ever knit a cable before, I was sure I could figure it out. After all, I'd watched several seasons worth of Nitty Gritty on HGTV. It couldn't be that hard. I finally found a pattern in a magazine that I already had, that I had randomly picked up from a bookstore one day. I loved this pattern because it seemed like a fairly complex cable on the front, so it would break up all of that stockinette. Then I had to find the yarn. I was afraid to use wool. Not because I hadn't knit with wool before. In fact, I had only ever knit with wool. But my husband doesn't tend to wear sweaters because he gets too hot. So I was originally looking for some kind of cotton, but I didn't know about other yarns besides the selection at my local yarn shop and what was on the racks at those other craft stores. I asked around at the shop and they didn't have anything that was black that wasn't wool. The pattern called for Mission Falls 1824 cotton, but I didn't like the textured look of it. I wanted something smoother. So I settled on cotton ease. I knew if the vest turned out too warm, he would never wear it. Unfortunately, the darkest color in cotton ease is a charcoal, which is dark gray, not black. But I decided to use it anyway. I didn't care that it wasn't black. Gray was close enough in my book. I started swatching. I couldn't get gauge. Of course. I decided to use big enough needles to get the gauge to work, which I think ended up being around a size 10 and a half. That should have clued me in that something was off. But nope, I just kept on knitting. Gosh, this cable is harder than I thought. Maybe I should have started with a simpler cable. This seems really loose. But the measurements are right. Hmm. Well, the drape was huge. Not just big. Huge. It didn't have any shape to it at all. The stitches were so big that they slipped off my needle constantly. I kept losing my cable needle and kept losing my place in the cable. I hated every second of knitting it. After I messed up on the front, for what seemed like the millionth time, and couldn't bear to frog it, I did what every logical knitter would do. I started on the back. I knit almost the entire back before I decided I absolutely hated it, and I couldn't bear to knit it for one more minute. 
The yarn wasn't dark enough anyway, so I just put it down. I gave up. It sat, and it sat, and it sat. My husband glared at me every time I started and finished a new project. But hey, I had just had a baby girl. I had to knit for her, right? A whole year passed. I finally found some Debbie Bliss Cashmerino Chunky in a sale bin at my local yarn shop. And it was 50% off. So I decided that was a good sign. But they only had nine skeins. I've never been really good at figuring out exactly how much yarn I will need, but I was pretty sure that this was enough. I knew it would be close. So I just decided to go with it. It was just so soft, and the Debbie Bliss Cashmerino is one of my favorite yarns, so I just couldn't say no. At least I had a project in mind, right? That's enough to justify any yarn purchase. I also spent some time learning how to cable without a needle. It's not as hard as it looks, and it was totally worth learning. It was much easier than keeping up with that silly little needle that my now one-year-old kept stealing. I was plugging right along, and I was ecstatic when I finished the front and completed that cable. It was so gloriously satisfying. I moved onto the back, and it made for some good TV netting because it was just stockinette. I was on such a high from actually completing the cable on the front that I floated through the back. Until one day, I went looking for a new ball. I was most of the way up the back, but to my horror, I realized that I was on my last ball. Uh-oh. And wasn't going to finish the back with what I had, let alone any ribbing on the neck or arms. I went to the shop to see if they had any more knowing in my mind that this was an exercise in futility. It had been in the sale bin for a reason. They didn't carry it anymore. So I ordered one more skein online at full price. It was really painful for me to buy the yarn at full price after getting such an amazing deal the first time. I waited for a few days for it to come, and then I furiously knit and got a few more inches, and then ran out again. No way. Of course. I hadn't remembered just how small those balls were. They were only 71 yards. So I ordered two more balls online, even though in the end it turned out I only needed one more. I was so glad to be done with it and learned quite a few things along the way, but unfortunately I think I missed one lesson. Right now, I'm knitting a little tank top for my daughter that calls for two skeins of Mission Falls 1824 cotton. Most of the comments on Ravelry seem to say that the top runs a little short. I really wanted to do stripes instead of doing the front one color and then back another color like it called for. I didn't even think about the fact that all those ends to weave in would be using up lots more yarn. Oops. I finished the front and ran out of yarn before I even finished half of the back. So much for a stash buster project. Now I have to buy more yarn. You'd think I've learned. Thanks, Martha, for sharing your story for the podcast. I'll be posting a link to the black vest on Ravelry. 
in the show notes of this episode so that all of you can go take a look at it. It turned out really nice. And this, my friends, marks the end of this very long episode and season two of Never Not Knitting. As I previously mentioned, I'm going to be taking a small break after each season. So I will be back podcasting again in August. So don't go anywhere, okay? Coming up here in July will mark one year of podcasting for me. And I must say, I have really enjoyed it. I so appreciate all of you who have supported me through this entire process. I've learned a lot, I've got to meet a lot of people, and I've just had a really good time. So thank you for being there for me. And I really hope that you'll continue on listening into the next season and the seasons to follow, hopefully. Without all of your support, I totally wouldn't do this. So really, I am so happy that I have such a great group of listeners. And all of your comments and all of your notes make this really fun and worthwhile. So thank you. So just to remind everyone, the show notes for this episode and all episodes of Never Not Knitting can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. So even though I won't be recording for a few months, I am at this time scheduling stories for the next season. So if you have a knitting story that you would like to share on a future podcast, please email me and I will put you into next season's schedule. Also, I will still be posting on my blog and on the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group if you'd like to keep track of what I'm doing. And I also a few months ago joined Twitter so you can find me there as Never Not Knitting. Never Not Knitting wouldn't fit. So there's no G at the end. So anyway, I'll still be around. But be sure to look for episode 21 coming in August. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clickin'. From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants. No shirts. No underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even 
in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had